0: All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this.
1: The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then
2: Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Hello and welcome to 101 Part-Time Jobs, the podcast where I speak to bands about survival. And if they don't have any interesting stories about surviving, then I turn to Plan B and ask them intrusive questions about their personal lives and their music. So it's handy that Yard Act, James Smith and Ryan Needham have got some stories about old jobs because they've only got four tracks out and I didn't want to ask them questions about their personal life just in case they beat me up. But luckily, we got all the above and nobody got beaten up. So thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please do recommend it to a mate. Or review and subscribe to it on whatever podcast app you're listening to it on. Signature Brew are the official beer of 101 part-time jobs. They've been brewing music-inspired beers since 2011. Beers with Mastodon, Idols, Slaves, Sports Team, and a whole lot more brilliant bands. If you go onto their website, signaturebrew.co.uk, you can get beers delivered directly to your doorstep, which I'd recommend. And with the voucher code 101PODCAST, that's all capital letters, you can get 10% off your order. All right, here's James and Ryan from Yard Act. Their seven-inch is available now. Go and grab it, and go well. Cheers. Together. Turn in the those what were you two doing, sort of fifteen years ago? What what was going on? Were you sort of sprightly, sprightly musicians? I was a,
3: I was a young go-getter. I was fifteen. Uh, so yeah, I was I was. GCSE's going into sick form, dead excited by all music. I was playing in you know bands myself. I probably just got out of covers covers phase. Uh working on originals with uh, <laughs> the lad the lad who lived on the next road, uh Ben Dawson. He was the bass player, I was the drummer, and our friend Joe uh was the guitarist and singer.
4: Can you remember any song titles from that time?
3: The of our band.
4: Yeah. Yeah, we had
3: one called uh What was the band called, first of all? Oh, I'm not giving that away. I don't want anyone looking at my path. <laughs> We're quite good. I've, every band I've ever been in
0: has been championed by Steve Lamac. Hopefully this Brilliant. one's gonna fare better. <laughs> <laughs> Championing, being being played by Steve Lemack I mean, that's a that's a, a sign, isn't it? That's a that's a seal I, of approval. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, this was back in the days when he was on Radio
3: One as well, which was like mad right. to think now. Um yeah, we were playing. We were just bumming around. We ended up, you know, we played on shows with like Forward. It's funny now because I teach. I teach. Uh, one of my uh, smooth smooth transition. One of my uh, jobs now is is music teaching, and I teach Whiskers from Forward Russia's uh, kid, and uh, we played shows with Forward Russia. And uh we were just like little teenagers hanging outside, really excited. And they gave us like bounty bars, and we were really excited about that. And like they gave us bounty bars and free warm carlings. We we've just like, it was like, yeah, like one weekend we just went to fucking we drove down in Ben's mum's car to play in Hereford. Hereford's like four and a half hours away, and we just crashed on a mate's sofa, like not a mate, like a like a MySpace mate sofa. Yeah, yeah. And then, and like it was just shit like that. We drove to Edinburgh for one gig once. Like, and we would did de- we'd get paid fuck all. And we were just like we just all chipping money and petrol seemed dead cheap then. And we just had Ben's mum's big car, so we just did it all in that.
4: Um did you always get bounties, or was it just
3: that one? No, that's just what Forward Russia gave us. All right. Other bands gave us nothing, other bands gave us class A's. It was it it varied between bounties and
0: coke and and nothing <laughs> it's brilliant to be in a place where you know anything could make you excited you know allowing yourself to be excited by anything well, yeah but we thought you know what i mean it's funny now like you know like we
3: just thought like you read, you re- read about them in the nme and then and then you saw them on stages and i'm sure maybe young people feel the same about idiots like us now if they see us the first time and they think oh my god these people are in bands but you know, once you start doing it, the illusions, you know, the fucking facade drops and you realize how fucking rubbish it actually, most of it actually is and that that no one's got any money and everyone's kind of just like slogging it around in the van stinking. Um, Did you have local people that, you know, local bands that you looked up to? Uh Well, I was from Warrington. There was a really good band. We were kind of the big band in Warrington, but
4: know you were
3: We were. There was one. There was one <laughs> band better than us, and but the, called Bill Davro and the Popes, and they were really good. And then the <laughs> other band, actually, uh, sorry, I'm just like I feel like Abe Simpson or something going on here. <laughs> like Warrington, even Warrington had like a really buzzy scene. Um, who else did we- in Manchester he was good? I was taught by. I was taught drums by Grenville Harrip, who's the drummer in Cherry Ghost. That was pretty cool. Were they like a twisted nerve band? No, they were heavenly. They had oh, like they had the Ivan Novello for that song, People Help the People. And if you're homesick, give me your hand and I'll hold it. They're well good. They've just
0: made a comeback. <laughs> and you could kinda of, you could see him, you could like ask him about I don't know, how it works and how he how he does it.
3: Yeah, well, I was. Well, I mean, it's like he actually left when he joined Cherry. He stopped teaching at the school I went to when he when he uh, when Cherry Ghost got signed, and he was kind of brought in as a sort of session player or whatever for them. I think it was mainly Simon, whatever his name is, his project. But uh, before that, he was, he played he played drums in this amazing... uh, There's this guy called Edgar Jones Jones from Liverpool. I don't know if you've ever heard the name. Brilliant name. Oh, his band's called The Joneses. So it's Edgar Jones, Jones and The Joneses. (laughs) And he was like a sort of like doo-wop singer, like Scouse doo-wop. And um, Noel Gallagher loves him. Noel Gallagher always talks about this album soothing music for stray cats. Like, you know, like saying it's this unsung, like he's this Mm -hmm. unsung hero. But uh, Grenville was the drummer in... Edgar Jones, Jones and the Joneses. And he'd just be like, yeah. Like I realise now that he was just like completely stoned the whole time or just incredibly laid back while he was teaching kids. But he was ace and I absolutely loved him and he was a big influence on me. And I've, I've not seen... I've not spoke to him for over 10 years and it'd be good to let him know I'm still doing stuff. He was like uh yeah man he's just like, oh, he's like i like i'm not around this week i'm off to japan with the magic numbers and he'd be like whoa this guy's so cool and then one day like you know came in and he's like james this is my last lesson because i'm doing the band full time i can't uh can't teach anymore and uh it was actually really <laughs> inspiring and it was just you know probably in a similar position now as a as a music teacher like you get a lot out of teaching the kids and that, but you're still the whole time just trying not to, do, not to do it.
0: I think when you're when you're in a town like Warrington or any of these kinds of you know smallish towns, you know, yeah. kind of if someone's doing something that you really, if someone in a band is is going off and doing shit, I think that does leave a massive impression. Yeah, it does,
3: and it yeah, and it just felt like I don't know, yeah, it's it was big. I'm trying to think there's anyone else. Ryan, you must you had you must have you were a bit older than me at this time, right? You were playing in bands and that.
4: Yeah, so if we'd have met, it would have been weirder a weirder age gap if we'd have met at the time cuz 15 and I would have been 25. Would have been so a We could really have been mates. Would have been a bit. No, it would have been people would have wondered what you were up to.
0: Would you be going up to Manchester?
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I was playing in a in one of those kind of uh, also ran uh Mid to, early to mid-2000s, post-strokes sort of bands. Um, yeah. Yeah, played loads. Toured, we toured quite a lot with a band called Hope of the States. We had the same manager as them. I don't know if you remember them. So they were like post-Rocky, Sigur kind of thing. So having, having a manager, it must
0: have felt quite funny, was it? What was your experience yeah. there?
4: Yeah, it was... Yeah, it was good. And he used to manage Menswear in the '90s, and he managed Lush. And stuff. Well, yeah, we did loads actually. We toured with like Razorlight, we toured with the Killers, toured with Block Party three times. Like we did, wow. we did like we only ever released one single, but we were for for a little while. We were like the the sort of go to support band of that that thing
3: you you couldn't do that and you couldn't release one single in 2021 that's but the man from spotify would be having fits if you were doing triple support tours off the back of one yeah
4: yeah
0: isn't that sort of one of the kind of um sort of templates of it in a way kind of release as little as you can so that when the record comes you know you've you've got a lot of spotlight a lot of shine on you
4: I think at the time we just didn't really have, we only had one song that was kind of worth, uh, you know, it, it was worth putting out. But uh, yeah, we were just dead young. And like like James says, you just get carried away with it all, don't you? And it's just all exciting. It was like, I don't know, I was probably like 19, 20 at the time. Dropped out of uni and yeah, just met this big bulldozer of a man who came up from London and was like, I don't know, he was just... Like super well connected, it was just dead exciting, and like, yeah, I don't know. Just spent six or seven years getting getting pissed in a van and having having like a well good time. But
3: uh, what it did seem like I've never had as fun a time. Music's never, felt, I mean, I know that's like your formative years. Music's never felt as ex, as exciting where everything's felt like a rush, even though I saw so many like shit bands at, at the time that you look back and you're like, oh god, I bought a spent 10 pound on a t-shirt by this this band like and they were rubbish but everything felt exciting but i think i just think in general everyone was doing more and past that you know five you know fast track five years later or whatever when i sort of come to uni and that i was way more involved in everything had far better taste but i didn't get that same rush off stuff as i did back then which was interesting it's interesting
0: isn't it when you yeah. like vividly remember walking through the doors at a local place where I grew up near Milton Keynes, and you know it, it didn't didn't matter who were playing you know walking yeah, through that yeah. door was like walking into a different world wasn't it
3: yeah and and you felt like four band lineups could be filled every night of the week, and it was fine, even though most of it was was a bit crap, but it, people were doing stuff and yeah I don't know. when you
0: what do you say about doing stuff and you know Ryan in those years where your band was obviously doing a lot. How, how organized do you think, you know, each of you were in terms of everything from organizing stuff to looking at venues and sound checks and being on the emails, being on the phone. Were you doing that at the time?
4: I think at the time I thought really organized and kind of, uh, I just felt like, yeah, we know exactly what we we're doing and yeah, regular phone calls with the manager and we had an agent and stuff, but I like, looking back now i've been spent quite a lot of time doing it. it was just like i don't know i clearly didn't have a clue like it's the point where it's worrying looking back that we were making the decisions that we were making that like i don't know just felt like looking back seems like i don't know just a bunch of children really like it's weird but yeah felt pretty organized i mean we got we must have been organized to a point because we went on tour and stuff yeah we just always had like a tour manager and people kind of looking out for us as well
0: but were there any moments where you thought fucking hell this is like turning into a like a full-time job yeah did you have even that time to even step back from it
4: and look at it objectively yeah a a bit well that that guy that we had managing is he he kind of put us on a wage for a bit because he he was getting i don't know there were various deals flying around and stuff um yeah, we so we got like it was like under a quid a week or whatever. we were still all living in one house altogether, together, um, just like right on one floor. And yeah, in Derby, it was for all it cost nothing to live. We lived on soup, and, and yeah, like it was, it was well, good. But we didn't didn't really need that much at the time, so we didn't really have to work. I think a couple of a couple of us signed on. Oh, and I did that. Uh, there was that new deal for musicians, I was doing that for a bit, which was good. Um, yeah. That was-
0: think, think of all our fa- you know, so many of our favorite bands, British bands from the nineties and and before then. You know how many of them were on the dole? It's vital.
3: It's just, it's just universal basic income. They just haven't called it that yet. You know what I mean? That's all it is, and it, you know, and it, sh- and and they've managed to turn it into a stigma of shame. And it should yeah. be, and it's it's vital for young people to be on the dole. I think you shouldn't have to be thrown into a job where you knack it out of your brain for forty plus hours a week, scared and terrified you're going to lose it, and that you've got no security or income. You know what I mean? Like give people so time true. to figure out what they want to do. It was the best, yeah, it was the best three months of my life being on the dole when I was twenty one, and they chucked me off it. They I tried so badly to fail the job interview, and they still. Still gave me the job in the call centre at Demeritums, and it was (laughs) it was the worst. I tried so badly to fail it, and that was yeah. They were like, you have to go for this interview, or you you know, or you lose your you lose your benefits. And I was just like, you know, I don't I don't want to. Yeah, I got really
4: good really good at failing interviews until I got I ended up getting I had to go for an interview at um, at Nando's, uh, which where I ended up working on giving. Story, but I ended up working there for ten years. But um yeah, and like I would fa- like failed loads of interviews, and like because you just pull in and go like, yeah, I need loads of time off because I'm playing a band, blah blah, and like <laughs> just being the worst candidate ever. But then I walked into this Nando's interview, and the guy that was interviewing me had a Strokes t-shirt on, and he had like cool hair, and uh, and I was like, yeah, I need loads of time off because I'm in a band, and this and that. And he was like, oh yeah, well good, I'm in a band, like you can have like however much time if you need. But I was like, fuck. Um brilliant. But
3: and all, it, all the chicken it, in the world.
4: All the chicken in the world, but they were true to the word, like it that was quite a good like Yeah, that was I ended yeah, I ended up staying there for ten years. No, you could have plenty of time off and it's
0: so rare. I mean what you said, James, about everyone should be
4: able to you know everyone should have that universal
0: basic income and not feel the pressure. Yeah, you know, it's such a stigma to even say that out loud. Yeah, I know it is. I'm sure some people will
3: think I'm like
0: lazy or taking
3: advantage of like people, you know what I mean, for saying that, like, well, that's not what the system's for. And it's like, the system's fucked anyway. Like, no one should be in poverty. We don't need anyone to be, you know, once we accept that most jobs are bloody going and 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 we don't have enough jobs to create the workforce, everyone needs that support. And also money's imaginary. It's been invented. So, you know, to make people suffer. It's bullshit, that hard work thing. I know some of the hardest working people going and they don't, you know what I mean? They don't make any money. They slog it. It's It's not true. Hard work doesn't equal money. So, like, you know, ideas are worth tenfold and, like, hard working industries and... For people that need it, what care work and that and supporting people that that need help, not just fucking slogging it in a shop for some fucking, for what's his name, the guy who owns fucking Topshop or whatever his name is, Philip Green or whatever his name is, or what's his name, that cunt from Sports Direct, Mike Ashley. You know what I mean? Like making people feel like they're worthless and they have to like grovel on these like, zero hour contracts and get frisked to see if they've nicked anything when they come in and out it's bullshit like (laughs)
4: yeah
3: Yeah. everyone's scared is scared of it oh yeah no i work really hard i earn my money mate everyone's been tricked into thinking like that take the money and fucking run i say it's
0: not real if you don't have any friends or family growing up that you know believe that as well it's, it's it must be so hard for so many people I think it switches
3: yeah it's changed between generations like you know yeah my mum was always like you know you've got to get a job what are you doing like um she's proper like you know hard work hard work hard work but it was like you know it made me start paying like rent when i turned 18 and that and you know paying my keep and that it wasn't much but like you know she's Mm. like you got to contribute now for staying here now you've turned 18 because i took a year out before i came to uni but But then like, you know, but then my dad was kind of like, you know, fucking. he was on the dole for on and off for years. And he was just like, just fucking do it. You know, it's, it was different. And it was, but it was like, yeah, there was like that shame. My mum had that like sort of shame and that kind of like real pride in the fact that she'd always worked. And my dad, you know, my dad was the same. My dad always worked, but I just saw how hard they both worked. It doesn't, it doesn't equate to, you know, have been that it, you can't work harder than 40 hours a week if you you shouldn't be working harder than 40 hours a week because you should be able to fucking enjoy your life doing things you want but also like you can't earn if you're on a low paid job doesn't matter how many 40 hours a week you earn once you've paid your bills and your mortgage or whatever like you're not you're not you're never going to be able to put that money into anything really yeah yeah, what yeah. hard work means is being a risk-taking business person who gambles with other people's lives, and then it pays off occasionally, and then they swan around in a beamer in a pinstripe suit. <laughs>
4: my current uh, sort of job that i have now is i'd work as a screen printer do like um I'm doing it for like five years so doing like gig posters and stuff like that it's called prince of thieves it's got uh just a place in leeds set up by the drummer in the band called pull apart by horses i don't know if you know yeah. Them. Got, yeah, yeah. yeah he's been doing it for 10 years and i've been there for like three yeah, when I moved up to Leeds eight years ago, I kind of made friends with, with him and I was still doing Nando's, I transferred from Derby to Leeds, which is another good thing about that. Uh but yeah, I just slowly started became pals with him. Um so yeah, he kind of trained me up and do yeah, gig posts and stuff. But um I did like artwork for like other bands and stuff, done some like you know, like gig posts and stuff as well.
3: It's well good, Ryan's works Ace. Eh? If uh fans oh, are listening and want and want some design work done. Ryan's Ryan's dead
0: good and poor. How can they get in touch with you, Ryan? About that,
4: um, just like I don't know, like the band email probably. (laughs) I'm not. uh, I'm not the best. at am myself.
0: Well, this is the place. We'll do some training. Mm. When you know that band that was touring a lot
4: ended. How did it feel? It just kind of dwindled out. Really, kind of missed the missed the boat. Missed the boat with it, and um. I don't know. It's just like a kid, really. It, it, like Looking back, it, it, I feel like it was a different person doing that thing. Like, yeah, It's odd. God, I was just a singer in that band. I didn't write any of the music or anything like that. Uh, I
0: wonder, you know, talking about these kind of mental, I suppose, psychological elements of, of, of feeling like, you know, you have to work, something you, you fucking hate and, and, and that stuff. Do you feel like you learned that you could make something you know, make yourself a pretty good situation.
4: What in terms of doing like something creative or.
0: Yeah. You kind of made your own job description. You know, you did something that was you.
4: Yeah, I think so. And like, well, I don't know. Cause I never played an instrument. I never learned music. I was just, same as James is saying. It was like finish, finish school, college. I, I went straight into work, fitted windows for like years. And then well, for three years, not years. Uh, and, Three years. And,
0: is still a fairly long time, isn't
4: it? Yeah, and then I'd like all my mates went off to college in uni, and I was like, and so I'd go and visit them at uni every weekend. I'd be up to Liverpool and down Cardiff, and uh I can't remember where the others were. But yeah, I'd go away every weekend. I was like, these people are in fucking loads of fun it was weird because i had tons of money uh, you know not tons of money but i was fitting when i was only like 300 quid a week at like 17 18 18 yeah that's a lot for a teenager yeah they were a year we had some dodgy deals on the side but i'd go every weekend away to like yeah liverpool and down to london meet see my mates and they were having an amazing time so i was like oh i need to go back so i went i ended up just like quitting that and going back to college and i started doing a levels and then, so I did then, But halfway through, there was some, like, lads who had a band and um, their drummer, like, broke his wrist. And, like, oh, and I really wanted to, like, I knew I could sing because I just was, like, singing along to – I was well into music. Like, I basically just lied. I said – because the drummer broke his wrist. And I was like, oh, I can play drums. And I, I think I'd even convinced myself that I could that I could probably do it. I'd never even touched a drum kit or any instrument before. And I went to the like – Band practice, and I even got to the point where I sat behind the drum kit, and I, and it was like, right, we're gonna play. And I just, I just thought, and I and I had to go like, I'm I'm really embarrassed, but I just like I was lying, I can't do anything. But then we, had to, like, I had to go singing, and then it, it was good. We just did some like acoustic thing, whatever was around at the time. I don't know what we would have done, Stereophonics or something. And then, uh Great. but yeah, then I then I just just knocked about with them for a bit, and that's when I got into into like do music but yeah i'd never i'd never done any of that stuff before so yeah, finish so yeah then i went off to uni and started a couple of little little bits and bobs and met some people and yeah kind of found a bit of a a thing doing that but still felt like super impostory because i'd never never played never learned an instrument before so yeah i kind of i did form my own little world but it was through bullshitting and (laughs) accident, I think.
0: Did you, you know, doing that like window fitting job, which is a hilarious job, or at least the idea of it is is funny to me. You know, was it, was it all right? Was it?
4: No, it was good. Um, Worked with a couple of good guys. Yeah, I mean, I guess I probably looked a bit odd doing it. They all used to call me Jarvis, (laughs) which the joke was probably a a bit old even at that point. It's like, (laughs) uh, yeah, just, skinny indie kid fit in windows but um we used to like i had to be there at like seven in the morning get picked up by this mate that i work with and then he was a bit older and we'd go stop up at the like the travel cafe thing get sausage and egg butties every morning go and load up and then go oh, to bad. people's houses and fit windows yeah it was I, I really enjoyed it but uh it was only seeing all my mates going off and just like literally just partying all the time that made me go like I think you can just do something else you don't have to do this i've been i don't know i've been sold short <laughs> i think
0: a lot of people have that you know when they see that I, I i did that i went to uni late and when my mates were going to uni i was like fucking hell i've missed out on something here yeah it was sort of affordable living almost
3: it seemed like uni's kind of like a like a doll that should be for everyone but now it's just for you know uh, people from the right background or well, more so. I think that's why I like even vocational subjects and that at unis which like are great even though a lot of people don't think of them as real subjects like media studies or whatever yeah. they are, they're vital and they create industries. The course itself doesn't lead to a job, that's what the individual has to go and do and pursue, and and you know that's why they need the that's why they need the time and the money to be able to do internships and stuff and make connections and 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 you know scrimp and save and get by taking chances and and I do feel like that gets taken away from people now, and a lot of people don't even get the privilege to go to uni, and I think it's just you know it's like again it's all it's all designed because it's all designed to get you a job at the end of it. So people think, well, what's the point of spending all that money if it's not going to lead to a job? But mm. it defeats the point. Like, life isn't shouldn't be about getting a job. <laughs> like, it shouldn't be the end game. The end game shouldn't be getting a job and earning lots of money. The end game should be doing interesting things and meeting interesting people and having new experiences and finding something you love and doing it because you love it, not because it's because you have to and you stuck doing it, or it'll make you more money so you can live a better life on the weekends but you know been
0: knackered all week i don't know i often think it's heartbreaking you know obviously doing this podcast is i often think people who are stuck in work and don't have a choice you know it's heartbreaking you know people who have been in you know great bands or have been great artists but then unable to do that full-time um yeah you know and especially in the last year or so yeah I me. Mean, yeah i mean
3: yeah it's always that thing in it we talk about like you know, I'm advocate for universal basic income. Imagine if everyone didn't have to worry about rent and bills. The amount, the amount of great musicians that would just come out of the woodwork because they've not got to worry about the basics and they'd be happy to live on so little. And if it picks up later on and they start to de- develop a fan base or whatever and make make revenue off what selling whatever, then and then they get money later on. But that wouldn't be the reason they were doing it, and that wouldn't be the drive. They just i just think you just get more out of people when they're not totally set on just surviving and getting by once people you know it's like the hierarchy of needs thing in it it's like once you're at a point where you've you know you've got food shelter and water what are you gonna do mm. next you're gonna devote your time to you know creative ventures and thinking
0: From what from what I've read, Yardax sort sort of started a little bit like that, you know, being housemates and having that time. Yeah, it was yeah,
3: it was like that without the doll, wasn't it, Ryan? When we moved in. We were like a bit like the monkeys, a scaled down version of the (laughs) monkey. Um brilliant. I know I know it was different for everyone, but having that time in the lockdown to write music, I've I felt create I know some people felt the opposite and they felt stifled and they couldn't they got writer's block but i was the opposite i was like oh my god i've got the whole day to just think about everything going on in my head and put it down and that yeah was and i don't creative. know like you oh, sent me so many demos ryan and i was just like yeah i can write a song about that i can write a song about that i wasn't stressed about trying to get it finished before i lost the idea and had to go back to teaching or whatever but a lot of the time my best ideas come and then it's like you've got you've got to do this stuff now so you're like shit i'm gonna lose the idea then the good ones are still around after you've done six hours of something else and you realize yeah, you still yeah. remember them so that's kind of just part par of the course i guess
4: well i think that was a, i think it was a good a good cushion for a lot of people that that do have some kind of creative elements of their life because you, it was kind of a thing where you weren't i don't know like my partner for example did a she works for a promotion company and does events and stuff. And she's always uh, like hundred miles an hour the whole time. And for her, it was just absolute hell going from like a hundred miles an hour to zero, like dead quick. And it was, yeah, there was like no, nothing there to sort of fill the thing. And it was, it was like really awful, but yeah, like with the, doing the creative thing, it was like, like, okay, I can't go to work anymore, but I'll just fucking keep steaming ahead with this. And it, yeah, it, it kind of propelled it. Didn't it? James it was just, Writing tons and tons, but I think having that was like, don't know. I felt so fucking lucky for for like having that to be able to do. Had you had a period of time before that? Because
0: you know you were both in bands before that, Ryan Menace Beach and and James Post War Glamour Girls. Did you have you know times you know between that band and starting this this one? You know what did that period of time look like for both of you? Did you did you go to work more?
3: Mine was pretty much the same i always i i kind of always i i committed after after the call center job at devonham's after i after i finished that i i started teaching music at a local community space and just loved the flexibility of it and committed to being self-employed at that point um so I'd always be free to do music when opportunities arose. Well, I used to work nights at this uh at the call center, so I never spent any money and I was on quite a good wage. It was like 11 pounds an hour or something. Um so I was working 40 hours a week um for 3 months and not not spending a penny apart from on bottles of whiskey because I was quite depressed and I was just I was buying the expensive whiskey from the waiters. Um, but apart from that, what was the wasn't, expensive one? Uh, it was like a 15-year-aged uh, Johnny Walker. Not, not mega posh. It was about £30 a bottle, I think. Uh, and But my treat was like two of them when I got in at night. My housemate Slater used to call me Boggis, you know, the farmer from, uh, <laughs> <laughs> from Fantastic Mr. Fox, because uh, cause I used to have this old coat and I used to get in from the call centre and I'd take my shirt off. Well, I'd unbutton my shirt. But I'd have like a like a vest on underneath because it was winter. Nice. And I'd sit with my whiskey in this leather armchair that was in the house, in my barber jacket with my vest on, drinking white shirt, shirt unbuttoned. Yeah, white shirt unbuttoned with a vest, <laughs> a white string vest, and my barber jacket. And I used to drink. You I can't go
0: anywhere with one of those jackets without you know smelling it.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was waxy. It was a waxy <laughs> sensation. And he'd come in and he'd be like, "All right, bogus." And I'd be like, fucking bogus. But, uh, but I took it. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> apart from whiskey and one wax jacket, I uh, basically had loads of money. And uh, I just decided that if I could... as as kind of saw that if I took this job and was completely free to take on any new student whenever someone wanted a lesson, and I had no... I was like, I was like I'm free seven days a week. And I worked seven days a week for about four years, really fragmented hours, like two hours on a Monday, half an hour on a Tuesday, four hours on a Wednesday, an hour on a Sunday. Um, and I took on a DJing job as well at the cockpit when that was open. And between that, uh within within six months, I was like, oh, I'd like you I'd lived off what I had left from the call center, and I had um enough money coming in to to go off housing benefits. And um off off the back of that, I was like, I'm totally, totally free to to do music whenever an option arises. And there were offers that came in, like we flew out to Italy and did a show on a day and then we had to fly back and, and then I was at work and it was like, but I could take the time off. That was all really good. But then like the rest of the band, it didn't work because the rest of the band all had full-time jobs and only had so many contracted hours. So I kind of spent a lot of time mm. stuck, on my, stuck on my
0: tod, you know, waiting for work. Um, I mean, that's another thing. I often look at bands, you know, in normal times, look at bands and think you've got to be pretty lucky to have three or four or even five members in a position to do it.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that's why collectives seem more popular now. There's definitely more of a sort, you know, like bands like Bodega and that. It's like Mm shape-shifting different variations of the lineup, like uh, Super Organism or another one, aren't they? I mean, I guess polyphonic.
0: It's quite fun as a fan as well, isn't it? I think that's quite interesting. I think if everyone's subscribed to
3: that notion, it's a good way of working and just accepting that, you know, if we're not at that point where guitarists can't have a month off, we'll get somebody else in, but you know who's really in the band. You can kind of figure stuff like that out, I think. Um, But yeah, that's kind of where that happened. But then I couldn't really, I kind of, that's when I made that decision to do it. And then all through that, uh oh, what else did I do? Oh, I used to, my wife my wife was a like worked at Emmerdale and so I got a job doing extra work on Emmerdale. So I used to be in the background of the wool pack. Did you um, wear
4: your wax jacket?
3: And I used to wear my wax jacket. They loved that. Yeah. they Randy Young Farmer in the back of the wool pack with his smelly <laughs> jacket. But like on set, a lot of them wear wax jackets, but they've all been made to smell nice, whereas mine was like a stinky wax jacket and they often smelt me coming and um, well, I did that for a bit, um, and then after, and then after post war stops, uh, I actually just started a new band that didn't really do much called Cruel World, and we went on tour in Menace Beach. Actually, that was kind of where mine and Ryan's uh, friendship really got going, but that was like we barely even did out. But I kind of just, and then oh yeah, and then I took on a support worker job as well. I worked with uh, a teenage boy who's become one of my best friends and i still do that now and that's like my other main job as well as teaching now um amazing but but i'm also like i i I like that i can in times like this i'm like head down working as hard as i can so i've got a cushion of money so that i don't have to work harder in the future if i don't want to i like the freedom even though it's a bit it was a bit of a white knuckle ride at times and there were months where i had no money like summer holidays, I always find all the kids just went away. Kids just go away to Thailand for a month now, like not on their own with the with their families, obviously or whatever. But whole summer holidays, it's like six weeks without income. So you learn to sort of budget and that. And there's the peaks and troughs, and you kind of realize if you take on two new students, you don't kind of count them as part of your income because there's somebody else might just drop off. You know what I mean? Whatever you're earning, you're not really a, whatever you earn
0: on your best month. That's not what you're earning you grow up quite a lot between the ages of what 18 and 26. Do you know what I mean? And it's interesting how, you know, your mind, you make up your mind on certain things like that, or, you know, you you come to something, you know, an agreement with yourself of how you want to do it. Yeah. If you see what I'm saying. Yeah, completely. And that, and that was,
3: that was a big, a big thing was, yeah, I just made that commitment and I realized that that worked for me and a lot of people, it doesn't, they want, security they want a steady ways they want to know where they are at the same hours every day and they want to know they've got the weekends free um mm. but for me it didn't work i've always been but i've always also been striving to that freedom where i never have to work you know which is why i'd be well happy to make loads of money in a band not so i could be rich and live in a big house but so that i'd know that i never had to work again in my life if i didn't want to i'd like that i'd like i'd like to see what opportunities were open available to me if i wasn't bound by routine and, you know that freedom can only be afforded by financial security um so that's where yeah
0: but and if, when you look back what's the what's the what's the kind of like roughest time of your life in terms of work
4: i don't know when you were just saying that james i was just thinking like i don't know i I think i've been so indoctrinated into it that i i don't even think it's that i just fucking i, I really enjoy working like i love my job now i like I like being knackered at the end of the day, so yeah. Like, there's not been that many, not that many shit jobs that have like that I've hated. I, I quite like working, like I, I always have done. And I'm not saying that was like some fucking working class badge of honour. I just I, I think I like the distraction from my brain and problem solving and, and and stuff. Like I don't, I don't know. I've in too much free time is it's not not great for me but like mentally really unless it's like right you've got you're on holiday now and you can just get pissed all day every day like that's well good
0: before working at Soho radio it was a bit like I hadn't yet worked for a, a company or an organisation that I agreed with that I actually kind of understood um that's vital though isn't it like that's
3: what i mean though I, my my biggest gripe is working for people that don't deserve to be taking your money off you like that's what And you know, it's I'm all about hard work, like, as long as it's on your terms. Like, that's what I think about people just being milked by a machine that doesn't care and exploits. And that's what that's what really grinds me. And that's what I think is the biggest like trick on on the British public, on the British working class, is the idea that like hard work pays off and that you you know you're if you're not working, you're 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 lazy or you're a fool because it's just like everyone is caught trapped in this machine making money for exploitative most people are working for exploitative people and and that and that gets me that people get stuck in that because I just think a lot of people could achieve a lot more if they weren't trapped in in the cycle of not falling into poverty or being in poverty and trying not to fall further into it. yeah yeah yeah. but hard work is is amazing and is important as long as the hard work is for something that you care about it's not for me to say how other people should live live their lives so i apologize profusely i don't mean no but it's
4: it's for you to say that other people should it shouldn't just be fucking people that are afforded the luxury to make those choices like that's the thing about the universal basic income thing i guess like it shouldn't be just rich people that can pick and choose yeah. and go like, Oh, I want to do this I want to do that. Like if, if there was that thing that was taken away that like, you're not going to be homeless within a month. If you yeah. decide to try something new, like, because people from, from council estates can't do that, but people that aren't, you know, people that, whether well, parents can pay for the, well, or help them out or whatever it may be.
3: But I don't even think that like schools find that spark in kids. And so straight away, kids just like, we've got to get a job. Cause we've got yeah. To get yeah. It, and then like, I just think that, you know, you think most people, like, they're working in jobs they're not asked about. They would find something they were really fucking passionate about and do it all the time if they had the time to figure out what it was. And that starts young, but it can be unlocked at any point in life.
4: I realise, James, we were talking about uh, sort of different points. I wasn't suggesting that you were saying people shouldn't have to, like work or whatever
3: oh no i know i know but we've we've had this discussion many times in the pub it
4: just sounded like i was saying i like working and you don't want to ever work <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. no but i mean in itself this is the whole thing of like uh you know this is the argument of like the stigma like the protectiveness and then the fear of like being called out for not wanting to work and being lazy and not being a part of the backbone of this country versus you know you know me saying like nobody should work which isn't true because if doctors didn't work hard we'd all be dead
0: (laughs) saw someone i half know kind of was doing something about wave energy and you know new ways that we can you know use sustainable energy and it's obviously a huge fucking subject but if you get a kid who gets excited about ripping apart his toy and finding the bit that is the motor and then somehow you know using your imagination in a way that no one else has done before. which is something that you're not, again, you're sort of told not to think in school. You're told that everyone thinks the same fucking thing. Um, you know, it kind of opens up the unknown, doesn't it? For, for good, for the yeah. good of the planet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah. And you just don't know.
3: Someone doesn't, like I say, ideas. You don't have to have complete understanding of the mechanics of something to have the idea that could change it. And, and I think um, in the ideas department, A lot of really bright people are being suppressed who could who could actually solve the world's problem, and then you know, and then it could be facilitated by science. You don't know what people you know. You don't know what anyone is capable of, and a lot of bright minds are crushed, and they could figure out a solution to how to you know, you know, there was that termite that eats plastic, and it's like ace, like how do we we get millions of termites? Like. You know, I'm not I'm yeah. not calling the, the working class termites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not what I meant. Yeah, I, d- I don't know. I just think, yeah, I just think people are way more capable of, than clocking in and clocking out and whether they, you know, and you also can't weigh up what their contributions are. You can't weigh up the importance of what writing a fucking stupid indie rock song has on people. That can, you know... Ryan, you know Ryan's old band. That song might have caused a beautiful moment in someone's life that changed it profusely because it was on the radio at that time. Or they
0: might, you know, what I mean. There's absolutely. We shouldn't be shy about that. Saying that as well.
4: Positive creation. I'm not uh, ashamed of that. I I wasn't suggesting it was rubbish. (laughs) It it saved someone's life, (laughs) but it could be. It could. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's you forget how important it is to some people. And and also I hate the idea that, that people are so devout to music, but they never feel they could make it themselves. Like, you know, mm. I do believe everyone should be trying to find how to create and figuring it out for themselves. Um,
0: well, it's been, this has been a real food for thought. Chat. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks very much for it.
3: No worries.
4: It was like a 2am round the table sort of chat.
0: This is, <laughs> this is just me and Ryan
3: in the van. We just we just got in the van with me and Ryan after eight cans. This is the same conversation we have over and over again. Um, one thing I would say about uh, the, the struggle, though, from a musical perspective, you know, trying to sort of, you know, me and Ryan still doing it at the age we are, I think it is quite character building and it does give you a way better perspective on what you're doing and why you're doing it rather than being snapped up at 18 and only ever knowing success, you know, um, Mm. that in itself. So I think that everything that happens just happens. And they're all, you know, they're all just choices you make and they're all just opportunities that you either receive or you don't. But I think it's important that
0: everyone always has the chance to pursue those things. Um, have you ever, have you dealt with the kind of anxiety of that, of being like, you can't control everything
3: yeah well i mean we're at we're having those talks now we're figuring out how the next two years are going to be for us based on you know potential options we're working out how to how to manage this band you know at what point do we mm. jack jobs in like it's all they're all discussions that we're having now that are very likely for the first time in my life you know for the second time in ryan's going to be you know possibilities and we've we've got to weigh that up we've got to say what are we sacrificing the risks you know it could flop we could just bomb and then we've like chucked our jobs in and what happens like you know it's a gamble but i reckon the gamble's worth it when you've been trying to do it for this long just to see what it's like and just because i'd love that freedom to just be able to make albums all the time and just not you know not have to worry about going to work and i'd still go and do other
0: stuff as well but you're more equipped now than you ever have been.
3: Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, and it's way more modern thing, this, uh, but everyone does have different jobs and everyone has loads of different jobs and people hop from different sectors and that. um, And I do think that's a positive, you know, there's no, there's no, there's very little sort of loyalty to companies and bosses, which they've brought on themselves. But I don't think that's a bad thing because changing it up and shaking it up. I think it's ace if you were a, you know, a police officer and now you, a primary school teacher do more of that
0: so there you have it ryan and james from yard act if you like what i'm attempting to do here please let your mates know please send it on to one friend and tell them that they should listen to it that would be massively appreciated thanks to yard act thanks for dan for allowing it to happen and thanks to you have a lovely afternoon here's I've been working time, right on the
2: side.